1: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined, as always, by Darby Robinson. Darby, the first half is almost complete. We are recording this. Probably a good idea to record this before the start of the final (laughs) series. Uh, before the all-star game, which is Rays Braves at Tropicana field Uh, for the first time this season, the Rays can say that they are going into a series against the best team in baseball, uh, which is the Atlanta Braves. I I think like right now I've been thinking this for like two weeks, um, but I I think now like everybody is kind of confidently saying that the Braves not only have had the best first half, um, but are the best team moving forward. I think you would, you would pick them over any team in baseball. Um, if there was a world series played tomorrow or a seven game series played tomorrow. Am, am I going too far in saying that?
1: Uh, no, they're, they're far and away. I think the best team, just if you look down the list, I mean, the all-star game, and we're going to talk about that is not a, um a, the best indicator of, you know, who's, who's the best and, and, uh and all of that sort of type of thing. It's a lot of it. it's fan voting and, whatnot on politicking, but the Braves have pretty much like the entire infield. <laughs> they, they have um, a phenomenal catcher. They have a phenomenal first baseman, a second baseman that's on fire. Even their shortstop, they lost Dansby Swanson and now have like, didn't miss a beat. And Ronald Lacunia Jr. is maybe having his finest year yet. Yeah. He kind of started a little slow, but now is just like absolutely on fire. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a top to bottom fantastic team the pitching staff is sort of rounding into shape as well they're getting like contributions from you know some of the guys that maybe aren't as high up on like the stuff plus numbers like bryce elder who we'll see in the series then they also have guys that are like the the shiniest tools possible like spencer strider who's got like the best fastball one of the top five fastballs potentially of all time in baseball by like a lot of like metrics which is crazy um which is good because he throws it basically like every pitch um so it's a, it's a wild team right they they lost like Kyle Wright they they've they've had some pitching injuries similar to everybody this year uh but they have absolutely just shown the quality of depth the talent uh top to bottom we're going to see our old friend Charlie Morton in this series who's having a, a bit of a bounce back year last year was not his best he's definitely a little bit better this year it's a it's a juggernaut of a team. The bullpen has been really solid. I mean, like this mm-hmm. is top to bottom. like I, I don't think there's any doubt what you have with the Braves, why they're the best team, and why I don't think there's really much of a competition right now for that title. Not not saying there's not a competition that they will win the World Series. We see the best team lose before the World Series most times. But mm-hmm. no competition in terms of who is should be the odds on favorite, is because they are not only deep, but they have like the high end talent. It's not stars and scrubs or depth. It's stars and depth. Uh, It's absurd, right? So they have these contributing uh, role players behind MVP candidates. They, they have an MVP candidate at third, at first at right field. Uh, They have pitchers who are Cy Young contenders, uh, deep bullpen, um, managed well, run well, uh, that's a that's a impressive organization right over there.
2: I count like six former Rays on this team too. Uh Travis Darno, uh, Charlie Morton, Nick Anderson, who has reclaimed like some of it like he's a very different pitcher now than he was at his peak with the Rays, um, but is having a lot of success this year in um, their bullpen. Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates, um, and, and Ben Heller, did he did he ever get in a game for the Rays? Does he count? I don't think he he did not.
1: Was. He did not get. So he will not count on your immaculate grid because he right. was. He was with the team. He got a paycheck, uh, but then went back down the next day. And but he's been great. I mean, the 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 command has always been the issue, but the stuff is amazing. And yeah, yeah. I, that uh, that one was a trait. I will say though, can I just talk about like the Ben Heller things? I know this has come up a lot on on like Ray's Twitter, and I've even joked about that, about how like basically. Um, they the Rays would really could really use a guy like Ben Heller. He could be a guy that like could really be in there. Like, why do we get just get rid of him for nothing? He is a guy that absolutely was traded. Like, this was this was just like it's a weird time, but it was an early trade of a pitcher instead of it being like, oh, they just DFA'd him because they needed the roster space. That yeah. one was like international slot money that like rated out to being pretty much like an actual, real, fairly legitimate trade. And that's a trade piece they could also use at the deadline or just keep because international slot money is really good. You can get guys like Wander Franco. Um, <laughs> so that that one, I just, you know, Ben Heller has been great. And I definitely think I would probably prefer him. I would rather be doing the opposite version of that trade probably right now. But that one was not just like we gave him away for free. That was, you know, he that was DFA, like but Evan it was... Phillips exactly yeah that one was this was an actual like real like oh we are trading him probably before the dfa there was a there was conversations
2: which i will say and i think we're gonna go way more in depth on this when we get into like the first half review in a few minutes um but i much prefer the the roster churn uh the bullpen churn of like 2021 than what we've experienced the last few days uh, with the relievers that are coming up and down um, to you know fill up an inning here or there. We've seen Thompson come up and, and lose the game last night, and um, Luis Patino didn't look great when he was here for a day. Extended
1: extended the, the lead for the Phillies.
2: Yeah, so I I just. Dylan Beaks
1: came in, gave up a a couple runs in both the Seattle game and the Phillies game to extend the. Yeah,
2: I'm yearning for the those 2021 roster moves when it's like we. I think we were just a little too full of ourselves as Rays fans with, like, each reliever that would come up and would get a save. Uh, and it would just, you know, you had guys like, uh, you know, Lewis Head who stuck around for a while, uh, Dietrich Ends, and Adam Conley, and uh, Sean Ar- Sean Armstrong's first season with the team. Like, it was just a a, a different vibe. Uh, and uh, now with the bullpen, it's, like, all hands on deck every single night. Um, real quickly, back to the Braves, though. Um because some of you guys might be listening to this after the series. Um, I, I, I think, w- like, winning this series, um, if, if, if they win two of three or they somehow sweep, like, either way, a series win, I'll be ecstatic going into the break. And then even though they're the best team in baseball, because the Rays are in the midst of a five-game losing streak, losing this series at home when you've been so good at home for the entirety of the season, it, it, it's going to be brutal. Like, there's no, like, eh, okay. I mean, if we lost 2-0-3, it's not going to be like the world is ending, but it's going to feel that way, given how the last two weeks have gone. You've had West Coast road trips. Um, and But then I think we'll just be all excited that it's the All-Star break and this team can have a few days off, um, except for Yandi Diaz, um, who's going to be very busy in his All-Star break. <laughs> um, let's Let's get into the first half review. Um, Because, like you said, you know, this is the like we said, this is the first time the Rays are not the considered the better team in a series, right? But Mm -hmm. that doesn't take anything away from the fact that I think the Rays right now are pretty like you know locked in as the second best team in baseball and the best team in the American League. um, That if you were picking someone uh, to get to the World Series and represent the American League uh, today. It'd probably be the Rays, although there's some other good teams like Texas and Baltimore. And New York is playing better baseball right now, even without Aaron Judge. Um, What are your feelings like? Like, how do you feel about this first half, with how this last week and a half, two weeks have gone, and where we are now, just days before uh, the All Star break?
1: I think the first half overall. It's gotta be considered a success. You know, the the last couple of weeks have definitely like ruined most of the vibes. Uh, because it's been even the wins have been really kind of poor baseball. Uh like Seattle, the Seattle series in particular, like Bryce Miller. If he doesn't have a blister, I he's got a no-hitter, I think. Like he was absolutely crushing yeah. it. Now it's possible that the the Mariner's bullpen still blows that game because that was a hilarious, like you know, Benny Hill style, like British humor, bouncing balls. Everybody's just, you know, kind of blundering it around. So like, maybe that still happens, but like that was not a game that the Rays like outplayed the Mariners. It was a, you know, starter goes down, kind of a scramble bullpen game. The rest of the series, really rough. The Philly series, really rough. The Arizona series kind of rough. They just got, they, you know, they had one pretty good game. And it's been, it's been a couple weeks of just like kind of trading wins, and trading losses, and just not feeling like this team is the the same sharpness, you know. And we're not going to expect that first month where they go uh, twenty three and six. That's a crazy hot run. You're not going to you know maintain that. But what they have done is they they survived May, went with winning baseball. They got through June with winning baseball. And so, I think the biggest thing is right now, after a great start, they have done enough. To basically put themselves in a situation where, in the second half, they can they can compete for the AL East, for the top spot, for a buy, and that's pretty much all you can ask for. While it's it's disappointing that they could have basically put away almost the uh, the 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 division uh, in the first half with like some keeping up, some like really strong play towards the stretch, especially capitalizing on New York and Baltimore with some some injuries and some scuffling. Uh, that did not happen. So they still are in a spot where today they are basically the same as they were two months ago in terms of the standings. And that's good because they have not played their best baseball the last two months, but they have not lost a lot of ground. In fact, on May 1st, the the Rays were in first place and they had a three and a half game lead over Baltimore. Uh, five-game lead over Toronto, seven-and-a-half game lead over Boston, eight-and-a-half game lead over New York. Today, they have a four-game lead over Baltimore, so they have gotten a half game up on them. They have an eight-game lead over New York, so they've lost a half game there. They have an eight-game lead over Toronto, who has fallen back to the pack, and an 11-game lead over Boston. So two months that I think we have not played clearly as up to the same standards as that first month, Still have basically lost no ground. So, sure, they had a six, seven game lead over ba- Baltimore just a few days ago. Doesn't matter. They still have that same lead. And going into the break, that's going to be, they'll have the AL East lead. And that's kind of what you could hope for coming into the season. So, mm-hmm. they've done the hot start, they've maintained that. So, even with some bad vibes the last, uh, like, kind of month or so of the season, of the first half, they've still done enough and won just enough to be able to get to this break and then hopefully come out on the other end.
2: I, it, we've seen a lot of regression, right? Uh, I, I think the way this entire team was playing um, for the first two months of the season, we obviously knew like they weren't going to win 120 games. Um, But you look at, like, the hitting numbers. You had um, Jose Siri, who had a 119 WRC plus and, like, 16 home runs. Um, Or, no, that's his season totals. I'm looking for his, one second, his first two-month numbers because I think those were even more incredible. Um, But since June 1, Jose Siri, 90 WRC plus. He still added six home runs. Like the pop is still there. Um, he's obviously still an incredible center fielder. Harold Ramirez, 87 WRC plus since June 1st. And that's with a 328 BABIP. Um His strikeout number is over 21%. Manuel Margot, around 85 WRC plus since the start of June. That's fine for him. And I think that's kind of what we come to expect. Taylor Walls, who looks like a new hitter. Has fallen off a cliff, 41 WRC plus since the start of June. Josh Lowe, 69 WRC plus since the start of June. And a 35.1% strikeout rate since June 1st. Like Josh Lowe is the one player who I went into the season very skeptical of. As Rays fans, we were clamoring for a left-handed bat all offseason. They decide to keep Luke Rayleigh and Josh Lowe. Luke Rayleigh has been incredible at the plate. Josh Lowe looked like an all-star candidate through the first two months of the season and has since uh, not just cooled off, but in, in a big way. Um, he's had just one home run since the start of June. Um, and then Christian Bethencourt, who was early on really kind of separating himself from Francisco Mejia as the number one catcher. I think he went into the season as that, but the gap was getting wider and wider. Mejia has actually, um, you know, he's done a little bit better um, since June 1st, but Christian Bethicourt, 25 WRC plus since June 1st, no home runs, a 1.4% walk rate, a 2.11 on base percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, the offense, the lineup just doesn't feel as deep as an Atlanta Braves lineup, which does seem to have more, Proven players. Yes, they've got guys like Orlando Arcia who are running hot. We don't know how sustainable that is. But you look one through nine in their lineup, you're like, yeah, they've got Acuna and Albies and Olsen and Murphy. Like, these guys were already all-stars coming into this year. I'm pretty confident that they're going to be able to to keep that up um, through, you know, Marcelo Zuna, like, obviously a proven hitter. The Rays are counting on guys like Josh Lowe and Taylor Walls, which just don't have that major league pedigree yet and so i worry about the second half not them being that poor i think it was just a lot of this is just regression but it's like okay what can we like what is the, what does the real josh low look like because it seems like big league picture pitchers have figured him out again
1: and that's the thing i think that is the cause for concern for race fans why the vibes aren't just you know okay whatever it's a five game losing streak right now and it's like a month of like kind of, you know, four games above 500 type of ball. It's been that the games have shown some very potentially troubling signs that like Josh Lowe was a mirage for the first half. And Taylor Walls never figured anything out and is still going to be like a guy that's like a very good defensive, really bad offensive player. Will and that be the case? Probably
2: overexposed with Brandon Lau out for a month. Like Taylor Walls is yes. playing more than he should.
1: Well, and that but that's the thing, though, is like we really don't know. I think the truth is, of course, going to lie somewhere in between. You know, Josh Lowe's hot start, his kind of rugged, you know, absolute drop-down regression. Somewhere in between, I think, is probably where those players end up. And it's just a matter of, I think for Rays fans, especially after last season, especially with how it last season ended, September was such a brutal month. October, the two games there were were two of the most maddeningly frustrating games like anybody's ever endured. Those those were a tough month to endure uh, of baseball. And I think that is never been able to be broken out from the kind of the the calculus where even as hot as things go it's sort of like you're thinking is this for real or is it not even though it technically you have 2021 where this offense was the second best run scoring run producing offense in all of baseball bring most of that back they're one of the worst they're they're lower half team then this year they're back up to number one again but now regressing back to like maybe top 10 in the last uh, two months, which is still good, but not, it's definitely more inconsistent. So you look at all that and you just go, the most recent thing is bad offense, bad run producing, can't score, can't hit that type of thing. And I think that becomes the standard. So I understand that fear of when things are going poorly, that's the, this, that's the, the baseline. That's, correct. And when things are going hot, that's the fluke. But I do think we're going to hopefully see this might be a preview for the second half of the show. And the second half of the season is I do think we see this team settle a little bit more in between. Like I I think Josh Lowe has shown the last couple of weeks, some better at bats. The, the strikeouts are always going to be there, but I feel like he's had a little bit more of a plan at the plate. Um, Bethancourt, I I think we're pretty much – this is what he is. He's just Mike Zunino. Uh, unbelievable power, terrible contact, uh, really good defensively. And so I, I think that he's doing what you need him to do on defense. The offense, you're just hoping to get, like, something, just a little bit more. Um, you just hope when
2: he homers, there's, like, runners on base, and you win the game. Like, it's a it, three run bomb.
1: I mean, the, this is the thing. It's like you have – you you endure the the Mike Zunino years and Christian Bethancourt years because that defense is valuable enough that it really does affect the game. And they have enough pop that like those, you know, 20 home runs, some of them are multi-home runs, like you, you multi-run uh, home runs, and that could be the difference in a whole game. Um, no, I, I think right now the Rays offense does concern me a bit. But I just mostly it's from not knowing the full answer. Like, I can't for sure say that Taylor Walls deserves or should give us more offense. You know, should he should Taylor Walls produce 80 WRC plus or better? I think so. I don't know that for sure. He hasn't proven that with the track record. If Austin Riley goes cold for three weeks, I'm like, he's going to be fine he's going to cuz we know the baseline and that's just the biggest difference between those two teams and just in general like why you would spend up for the name brand guys that are proven is because you have a bit more of a confidence in that track record it doesn't mean that going forward the guy that you've that has done it before will do it again we've seen that countless times but it does mean that you have more of a baseline to go I bet he is going to be better because he's done that much better. Whereas right now, Bethancourt, Walls, Josh Lowe, you're like, I. The bottom could be we. There, there's a very good chance the Rays haven't found the bottom with them. Like they could get <laughs> much much worse, um, as well as I much so. much better. I, I think not. I think that's I think that's the thing, right? Is there's a there's the variance is so much higher that that makes it that uncertainty. Is is frustrating because Josh Low could be a 130 WRC plus guy. He also could be like a guy that struggles to get to 70 with the caves.
2: And, and to be fair, like I, I broke it down and from like April to May, um, which I pulled those numbers, I finally was able to pull up the uh, from opening day to the end of May. Um, numbers And the Rays only had three players underneath the uh, WRC Plus of 100. Actually, I'm going to just knock that down to two because Vidal Brujan only had like 20 plate appearances. Um, Francisco Mejia, 55. And Manuel Margot, 99. You know, it was, was virtually a league average hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you had Josh Lowe, 162. Taylor Walls, 137. Uh, Harold Ramirez, 137. Jose Siri, 135. And I, and I I compared those to like the disastrous numbers from to. D- June to July the first week of July that we've we've seen them play overall on the season Josh Lowe is still at 1.9 wins above replacement a 129 WRC plus 12 home runs you know a 322 on base Josh Lowe is making has made during the season as a whole the improvements that we wanted to see and like you said I don't think he's a 129 WRC plus hitter, but 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 I don't know. Like he's 25, so you'd expect him to kind of hit his prime hitting years over the next couple of seasons. Um, Taylor Walls on the year one win above replacement, 97 WRC plus. That's like all you can ask. Like that's all All, you can ask for for your utility infielder, right? Like he is the second option at every infield position uh, for the Rays right now. And he has filled that role very well. And like the the, the 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 least you can ask from a backup, and that's what Taylor Walls is, and that's fine, is just to play good defense, right? Like, don't be just a black hole in the lineup and play good defense. And he's filled in for Brandon Loud doing that. Um, he's filled in for Wander Franco doing that. He's filled in for, you know, Yandi and Isak uh yeah, he hasn't played that much third this year, but he has he's done that role well. And I know it feels like, I'm, I'm trying not to be doom and gloom because we have a five-game losing streak and it might be eight games by the time you're listening to this. Um, overall, this, like you said, has been a successful first half. I'm just not convinced, but like those last few spots on the roster. And then even guys that have continued to run hot, like a Luke Rayley, how, how real is that? Like he's still striking out over thirty percent of the time, um, three fifty three BABIP. He, he's got the pop. Like I don't think that's going anywhere. But like, are the other numbers as sustainable? I'm I'm not I'm not convinced yet. I'm enjoying it while it lasts. But it's like, okay, if Josh Lowe and Taylor Walls are gonna take this big drop off, if Christian Bethencourt's gonna take that big drop off, are we waiting for the other shoe to drop with guys like like a Luke Rayleigh or a Jose Siri or a Isak Paredes, I, I I think he's legit. Um, but again, there's enough
1: there's enough in the bat ball. He's a very weird hitter, but like I do think he's Isaac Paredes. We we will have to do a whole other show about because he is one of the weirdest hitters in baseball. He's one dimensional, but also with multi dimensions in that one dimension because he somehow some way has one thing he wants to do, and every pitcher knows it. Mm-hmm. And yet, he's still able to get to that. Yeah, more times than not, which shows that the other things he's doing—his batted ball, his um, his ability to spoil pitches as well as recognize pitches and draw walks—makes that so that pitchers. That I mean, that's the thing that would probably has to be infuriating facing him because you're like, this guy only pulls. That's it. I just have to just not give him something that he can pull. That's it. That's the only thing he wants to do. It's the only place all of his hits go is this way. And yet he can spoil enough, get to the pitch. And then eventually somebody just doesn't slide quite enough. And then bam, it's like, you know, 30 rows deep. So I, I do think he has enough sample size. The rest, you know, I think you're right. I mean, like Luke Rayleigh, we, it's sort of found money there. It's a very much. I think we've we've talked about this in like the Slack a bit, but like it's very much like James Outman with the Dodgers and Luke Rayleigh was a former Dodgers guy. Like these, you know, 35, 40 grade prospects who are just kind of roster filler, older prospects that are clearly better than AAA, but are they major leagues? And then they pop in the major leagues and you're like, what is this? What do I have here? And I think teams also have the similar thing where they're like, I can't sell high on this. Because okay. nobody, nobody else believes it, but also it's clearly somebody that's contributing, and that's good. I mean, like, Luke Rayleigh, as a platoon uh, uh, outfielder and first baseman, who can do both fairly decently, like, not be a black hole in either, not be, like, a cr- tremendous downside in either, that is crazy valuable. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe he's not this two-win player, but... You kind of need guys that are like that, that could maybe run into one. Also has weird, weirdly good speed, like cr- like crazy fast for somebody that doesn't look like he should be fast, which I think maybe helps in a lot of times. Cause like, I, I it doesn't matter if your player knows it. You look at that guy and you're like, there's no possible way that he's fast. Like I know, like the coach might've said, like, just watch out. He's like, he could steal here. And they're like, there's no way. The guy's 250 pounds, like muscly, wide brick guy and yet got he's got the speed so I think one of the things about this first half that I will say as a as a just a, as a unequivocal positive I think the Rays did had the right strategy coming into this season and I think the first half proved it that you don't sign Michael Branley, who still hasn't played in the game you don't sign Jose Abreu for three years because he's looked terrible he's finally gotten a couple home runs it took him like almost 200 plate appearances, but he finally got some home runs again, but he does look, the bat looks much slower. It, it like marketably. And that was the big concern. And that is sort of proven. And I think I still was in for like a one or two year deal, three years. I just thought it was crazy. And I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it's going in the right direction there. Uh, David Peralta. Like, I, I think the rays were right that you give the opportunity in house, see what you have first, And what they've done is they have gotten to this point wire to wire in the lead at the AL East. They have been able to survive some downslopes and regression from a bunch of these players. And now they have much more data to suggest whether there's room for back improvement or whether maybe they got the best out of them. And I think that sort of unequivocally proves that the first half was a success. From the race strategy of let's not sign the vet bat for right field. Let's give a chance for Luke Raley. Let's give a chance for Harold Ramirez. Let's give a chance for Josh Lowe. And now reassess. We're, we're coming in the trade deadline at the end of the month, smaller moves, minor league option guys like Curtis Mead, Kyle Manzardo, Jonathan Aranda, Spasabe. Like You now can be like, okay, what do you have? It didn't work. It hasn't worked really well with Bruhan, but you have to sort of see what you got there. And now you can kind of reassess more. And the best thing is that has not cost them games in the first half, whereas, and that they have to make up. They have the lead. So now going to the deadline, if you want to make these small moves where you maybe say, we actually do need an improvement over Josh Lowe, you can come, you can kind of go out and get that there's a lot of vet guys, rentals that you can get for that. But you don't want to start the season there because then you don't have the data. So I think unequivocally, first half, great success for the strategy of let the kids play, let's see what they have, let's get more data, and now can make a more informed decision.
0: Yeah,
2: and I don't think we're going to go too into the weeds on like, again, trade deadline. We covered a lot of that on the last episode. Um but maybe one of us has a prediction for the second half. We're going to roll those out in just a few minutes of who the Rays or what position the Rays might go after um, here in July. I do want to sh- uh, switch over to the pitching staff, which I think has been uh, – I don't know what's been more frustrating. I mean, the bullpen has been a, a – I don't know. It's it—it's a bullpen. It's not great. It's not – like you still have Pete Fairbanks. You know, Jason Adam is – still really effective. Um, the, the starting rotation, though, has been... I brought it up on our last episode that that has become, like, the bigger issue. Um, you, you've got what would be a pretty pretty damn good starting rotation on the injured list right now between McClanahan, Rasmussen Springs, Boz, and Fleming. Um, you'd probably trade that for what they've got going right now. You've still got Tyler Glass now, who... Uh, any reason to be worried about Tyler Glass now, Darby? Uh,
1: yeah, always, always, always reason when somebody's <laughs> coming back from an injury. Um, I don't know about how much I worry, but I, I think there's, yeah, I think there's always a little concern about like how good uh, and how consistent somebody can be back. Oblique injuries are really, really tough because it's not an arm injury, which he's also coming back from. It's mechanical and muscle. So that I, I and we see him with pitchers. I mean, I think that is basically Luis Patino's entire issue is it's not the stuff, it's not even the shape, it's mechanics. It's can he repeat? And he's had oblique injuries. And you see this time and time again with pitchers that if they are not being able to get all of their mechanics right, and Glassnow in particular as a tall guy that has a lot of moving parts, and like this pendulum arm and legs and and torso that are like a lot more to keep together and in motion, then he's going to lose command. He's going to lose velo, chance of injury, but also just effectiveness drop. So concern, yes, I'm not like I I wouldn't say I'm very concerned, but I, I would say that like sure, I I uh, I I think the Rays need Tyler Glassno to be great. And I think if he is very good, that is not enough for this team going forward. And that is a concern.
2: Because you're also on the hook for $25 million next year.
1: Um... I'm not concerned about next year. I think actually next year he's going to be great. I think it's just, does he round out this year? I think that's that's the big concern, is that you want him rounding out this year. Next year, there's this team – I mean, the team – The team looks fantastically set up for next year as well. Like this team is locked in. But I think this year with springs out with Rasmussen is a big question mark with Shane dealing with a Shane McClanahan dealing with a back injury. And we saw sort of second half. He kind of slowed down quite a bit with Taj Bradley being very young. And, you know, he's only 22 that's going to be volatile. We saw this with Glass now. We saw this with McClanahan. We saw this with Snell. We saw this with David Price.
2: And a young pitcher.
1: They're good. Like, they're great. You can see the flashes. We saw with Scott Casimir for pretty much his whole career. You saw, like, the, the flashes were there. And then you'd just be like, oh, this is so good. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, this is so... Oh. And it's just like, you know that Todd Bradley, I think, in, like, three years is going to be potentially the ace of this staff. But... Like Shane McClanahan, you have to get through the growing pains to get to that ace level. And so there is, I think it's a big concern right now that the one guy that you can be like really trusting in, uh, is a guy with a pretty good injury history in Zach Eflin. Um, but, but he is, he has been like, again, kudos to the front office for that signing because he has been an absolute rock in what you need. You know, he had a tough luck loss against his old team in the Phillies, but and his that best was friend,
2: a, Aaron Nola, who was incredible.
1: I mean, that was that was just an awesome pitching duel. Like I, that one is the one where you don't blame the Rays' offense because everybody like that was just a fantastic pitching duel. Eflin got very unlucky that he gave up two hits and they were both like home run, like a double and then a double with all the two out and then basically was like flawless the rest of the game, but gave him seven innings. Um, I, I think the pitching is is a, is definitely. I'm less concerned about the bullpen now. I think we've talked a lot about how uh, concerned about the bullpen. Yes. The last few days, the bullpen has had a, 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 the last spot in the bullpen has had to come in to be used and they have all given up runs and all directly led to losses, which is super fun to be like, Hey, Jalen Beeks is back. Here's two games where he's going to basically directly contribute to the loss. Hey, Luis Patino back. All right. He's going to give up some runs to make it out of clutch. Oh, he's going to go down for Ryan Thompson immediately is the guy that gets the loss um though those those hurt but what you see is Robert Stevenson has really shaped up into a very good reliever we know Jason Adam ha- has some sometimes some self-inflicted wounds but is still a very effective pitcher Pete Fairbanks if it's 70 degrees or up that guy is still great uh <laughs> just don't, just don't turn down the AC and he's fine uh and Jake Diekman has been a unbelievable re- revelation want to just tell everybody uh i called it been calling it for years <laughs> and uh suck it when you said that like he's he's wild and the white socks suck and why are you picking up this trash uh because the white socks are bad and you don't worry about things that they do because that's not an organization you trust to run things well jake diekman's awesome um you still have the like the fringe of the pen but like Sean Armstrong has come back and has given them wow. exactly what they needed from like the the um uh, uh McHugh role, I wanna say. I feel like McHugh was only here one year, but it's like he has sort of redefined that role when he was with the Astros as the not starter, but not reliever, but like the most, maybe the most valuable pitcher because you sometimes need two to three good innings. Like You need that glue guy, and Sean Armstrong is that, and that's awesome. He had his best appearance of the season, maybe his career, uh, uh, the other night. Um, So I, I, I think the bullpen is shaping up really nicely. I think right now the growing pains are the back end of the pen. You don't want to add too many people to the 40 man because Kittredge is now pitching, so he could be back within a few weeks. You have Colby White starting to pitch, and he could be back. He could be called up. It's like a weird fringe thing, but I'm not worried at all about the bullpen. I do not want to trade for a big reliever. Thank God, uh, or Chapman is not coming to Tampa Bay. Do not want him trash person. Don't like seeing him have a blow up in October for my team. So I'd love to see him have a blow up for the other team. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it's the starting pitching. That is the the that is the overall concern, is if they do not get length, then they expose the bullpen. If they expose the bullpen, we have to use more of the roster churn guys, and that's Ryan Thompson, that's Jalen Beeks, and that's not fun.
2: It's also a weird point where for, I guess now with, with Taj Bradley up, and you imagine he'll, he'll be up for the remainder of the season unless they go out and – like you get McClanahan back, you get um maybe you get Rasmussen back. If Rasmussen's
1: back, if <laughs> you get Rasmussen trade. back and you trade, then that's the only right. way. But I I think then you almost have Taj do multi inning,
2: right? And then and, and there's also maybe the possibility that Rasmussen becomes the multi inning guy, right? Um bradley i think they want to keep stretched out and, and that was part of their what they said their reasoning was and sending him down to triple a like they want him to i don't i don't see that. them using him in that role this year unless, i think if you had the, cho- you for the postseason
1: yeah i think if you had the choice between the two i think rasmussen coming back and being the the role that three he was guy,
2: when the rays acquired him
1: yeah i think he's somebody that could also as a as more of a veteran I mean, he's like what, twenty six? <laughs> he's like he's <laughs> like barely <laughs> the old man of the club, basically. But I think he he's been around a while. He was a four year college guy as well, or three year college guy. So he is a bit more of a veteran pitcher. He's been around a while, so I think he would be able to, I think, transition to that quite well, and could actually really help, um, you know, with with coming you know back from an injury. So yeah, I would I would be love if if Drew Rasmussen gets a good non-surgical recommendation on this eight-week checkup that could be one of the biggest acquisitions for the race yeah because no matter however many innings Rasmussen gives you that is a really good pitcher Mm -hmm. to get back and that would paper over a ton of the issues of just getting innings collecting innings
2: yeah, it'd be less innings for the Kevin Kellys of the world, the Zach Lattells of the World, who are fine for their roles. Um, but
1: Kevin Kelly currently, by the way, one, two, three, four, he's the fifth highest F war on really? the the pitching staff. On the pitching really? staff. Interesting. Yeah, at at nine. He just surpassed Jeffrey Springs, who was in the top five <laughs> all the way till now. <laughs>
2: There is, though, because we did see Yanni Chirinos get lit up uh, the -hmm. other day, and I was a big Chirinos believer. I mean, now he's, like, going to be 30, I think, later this year. Um, He's still got a 3.95 ERA, but the underlying metrics are not nearly (laughs) as as They are gross. Um, 11.7 strikeout percentage, which is, like, by far the lowest of his career he hovered around 20 percent on his entire career before the injuries um and and now is just a different pitcher and not a great pitcher um sure he's the last guy in your rotation once mcclanahan comes back but there's no one in triple a that i would say i'm more confident in than yanni Chirinos right now so until you get erasmussen back or you make a trade like he's going to get a turn through the rotation. You know, that maybe they try to do more of a bullpen day. You've seen that you can get multiple innings from the Kelly's and the Latels and like Robert Stevenson. So maybe you do just turn that into a, we'll see if we can get three innings from a Sean Armstrong or from a Zach Latell that day and kind of punt it rather not punt it because maybe punting it is pitching Yanni Chirinos. Um but there's no one in AAA. Like you're, you, you, Patino is a reliever now and not mm-hmm. quite a good one yet, if he ever will be. Um, Cooper Criswell would probably be your next call. I'll take Yanni over Criswell. I think.
1: Um, I think it's a, I think you just flip a coin on that. Probably. I think, I think they're the same pitcher.
2: I, I think <laughs> yeah. Which I think why Yanni gets like the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like
1: he's been around
2: for. I think this is his sixth season with the. You know, since he made his major
1: league debut. Um, but after that, I mean I don't you know, Elvin I'm Rodriguez is the is the name Elvin Rodriguez, yeah. Elvin Rodriguez is the name that I think is the most intriguing. Um, he actually has probably the best stuff. He could be very good. He's just coming back from an injury though. So I I I think he is a guy that you think about, but mm-hmm. I would trust on the Rays that if they don't call him up to start. And instead it's Criswell and Yanni. I think that's probably for a good reason that he's maybe not like the stuff can be good in AAA, yeah. but it may not be like major league. So he, he's the one interesting name that if the Rays, you know, if the, if we see the Topkin tweet of like, you know, Rays call adding Elvin Rodriguez to the taxi squad type of thing, that'd be like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm tuning in for that start just to see um, because he's looked pretty good in Durham. And I I've liked, I watched a couple of his games down there and there I think there's some There's something decent there. He's only 25 and he has pitched in the majors. I want to say like before the Rays acquired him, but yeah, he's not, uh, yes, that's right. Uh, he's, he's not somebody that I'm like, just wait until we get Elvin Rodriguez up here. That is the key. That is guy starting game four in the, uh, ALDS. Like that, that's not go that far, but it's like, maybe that's a slightly better than Yanni, but I, I think you're looking at um, Yanni Criswell, Rodriguez. You're just saying like, wow, I wish Josh Fleming was healthy. Cause I think that gives you slightly better than those three. Still not great, but mm. that's, that is where, and I'll save it for the second half of the show. Mm. But that is, that is where um, the Rays need to address.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, I think we probably need to need to move into that. And uh, we've talked a lot about the, the first half of the season. Um, and, and yeah, while it might not feel like the best right now. Um, you know, it was, it was a successful first season. So now uh, we're at the all-star break and sure. Darby, you've got
1: your great, got my Seattle, sweat, my... uh,
2: which by the way, incredible logo, incredible branding.
1: What a, what a, here. the best all-star logo I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I I was at uh, the Mariners game last year when they unveiled the logo. We were we were there, and they had the big you know it's the big banner out in right center. And I was telling my wife like before they unveiled it, like they're going to do a cer- they did a ceremony before the game, and I was like these these logos are just always so heinous. And and she she got her master's in marketing, and so she always agrees. Like I was showing her some of the previous ones, and they're they're just generic. They're they're broad. They're very much like you know, uh, tested so that nobody is, nobody has any strong feelings about them because that way they can maybe sell more because they're just yeah. so bland. Uh, then they unveiled this and I was like, just went right to the store. We we bought the gear and I was like, well, that shut me up. This is so damn cool. I mean, you got the Mount Rainier right in there got mm-hmm. the Space Needle. Uh, yeah, that's a gold standard. Of of logos for sure. It, it
2: it feels like something that like will be like a huge thrift store find in like twenty five years. Like this, we see all the obviously like a lot of the '90s stuff coming back into mm-hmm. fashion, and so it feels like that Seattle All Star Game logo and all their branding will, um, you know, it'll it'll survive uh, the test of time. Totally. Um, like. Also, the Mariners and and everything. I don't I don't know really if it's the Mariners that do all the branding for this or Major League Baseball or collaboration, but like. I was watching with with my girlfriend the other day. When the Rays were playing Seattle, and uh, you were there. Um, mm-hmm. It it the uh, the Mariners just have it really easy. Like best color scheme in baseball, in my opinion, so good. So obviously, good. you can really lean into the imagery and the colors of the Pacific Northwest, as you mm-hmm. very well know, uh, one of the most beautiful parts of the country. But yeah, before we go into like the All Star break, how 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 was that seeing the twenty twenty three Rays? In the flesh,
1: Uh it was it was a it was a fun. I went to the game they won, so that was cool. Uh, I I was working for the other two, so I couldn't get out. Um, one of our other writers, Brian uh, Menendez, was at uh, uh, the other, like probably the better game, uh, or like the other, like more like a very fun game that ended up kind of getting out of hand very late. Yeah. Um, but I I was at the game. I was at the Bryce Miller game, and it, and it was it was very fun because. Miller's a great pitcher that was exciting it was unfortunate that Shane was dealing with the back injury like right off the bat he he, you know you could see him not being there but after Miller left uh you got some very fun raised stuff you got a Randy home run which was great got to got to also then sort of like tell the folks my road just like what you know he's about when he comes around third he's gonna do his arms crossed but it's just to the third he's not he's not showing anybody else he's doing it to the dugout. He's doing it to the dugout. He's doing it to uh to the third base coach. Um, and he did. Uh, I I will say this going to that game, which was really fun. Um, the Randy Rosarena is a goddamn superstar. Mm, yeah. Like the the Mariners fans didn't know a lot of Rays players. Like they they knew Wander. Mm-hmm. They knew Glass. Now there was definitely I was I was in the pen overlooking, uh, the, the pictures, warming Tyler and, and Eflin were talking. And there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of interest in glass now. Um, a lot of, a lot of leering, uh, and not just from me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but Randy, like that was the Jersey that Rays fans had, uh, ran to three guys who went to the, um, to, to the world baseball classic had Randy, uh, team Mexico. Mm-hmm. uh hats or they had the Team mexico hat and, and Randy Jer- Team mexico jerseys signed by Randy um everybody knew him like that that is I think a very rare sign for the Rays to have a guy that like has that much buzz that like people and they I and I think it was like a very positive buzz because like you could just watching him in between innings out in left field, like he's he's bringing balls out that are signed and tossing them to the fans. In between every like pitch, he's like chatting with people in the Edgar's Cantina bar. Like he is just not only a, a superstar performing player, but also that superstar charisma that like embrace like nobody embraces being a fan guy more than like Randy. I think right now in baseball, like he is mm-hmm. constantly. About the people. Mm-hmm. So I am super excited to see him in the home run derby. I'm super excited to see him in the all-star game because he there is a buzz about him that was very fun to see on you know with a road uh crowd and stadium. Because my my goodness, uh that the only other jersey, like the only other jerseys I saw, I saw like an Evan Longoria. There's a somebody had an Evan Longoria World Series jersey, which was cool. Um saw saw like uh i think like one wander but it was it was basically randy uh top to bottom like and that that's cool that's i mean that's cool like the rays Rays don't have that type of superstar like ever i mean like longoria was probably the the next most like i mean that that wasn't uh like a fred mcgriff or a jose canseco or Mm -hmm. a wade boggs whose stardom is not from you know tampa bay
2: yeah, I think he is going to be perfect for the home run derby. I, I, I think he can have success. I'm like, I, I know he's the, the stories coming out of BP of him, him preparing for it are good. Um, I, I don't know, like Adolis you know, Garcia, who he's matched up with, his best friend, also from yeah. Cuba. They came up through the Cardinals organization together, um, and then were finalists for the same Rookie of the Year award. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they get to do, do the home run derby together. So their careers have taken very similar paths. Uh, I, he might, you know, Adoles bo, could bo, win. Bo. Uh, uh,
1: the only difference is that the, the Cardinals at least got uh, Matthew Libertor for Randy, whereas they got nothing for um, Cards. I might, I might just... rather
2: have nothing than Matthew Liebertor. I know he has a, he, he, there's still, some, there's still <laughs> some hope left, but it's not been like. I don't it's, think it's been great for for him. Cards there. cards
1: are taking some tar- cards are taking some L's this season. This is a rough year for the Cardinals. Uh, yeah,
2: six seven five ERA and thirty two innings for Matthew Libertor and a seven five two expected ERA.
1: And then you get to tune in on Monday night and watch Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena. Yeah, sure. I I'm so happy to see. I was really excited. So I was very excited when Randy announced. So I will be. Uh, going to tomorrow the futures game uh, at okay. in in Seattle, uh, and then Monday and Tuesday I'll be at the Home Run Derby and the All Star Game. Um, so it will be there live. Uh, I was so excited when Randy said he would participate because I think he's the exact type of guy you want in these events who like actively yeah. wants. I think like um uh, you know the polar bear uh, Pete Alonso mm-hmm. going is always great because he he embraces the event and, and that's. It's just cool. I think Julio going is great because he had such a show last year and obviously he's the biggest star with Seattle. So I I think just seeing guys that like want to do it, like we've seen this in the NBA with the slam dunk contest, how bad that has become because of the fact that it's like just hated. It's like the only players that want to do it are like young guys who don't know any better. But like in baseball, this is like an event that like we're seeing superstars. We saw Juan Soto win it last year. Mm -hmm. And that was awesome. And so Randy being in it is great, but I was, I was equally excited to see that both Adolis Garcia made it to the all-star game and is in the home run derby, because I, I love that, that, you know, that story of him and Randy, like they're really good friends. Their families are really close. And like that, that story of, you know, coming, coming from Cuba, making it in baseball, escaping the oppressive regime of the St. Louis Cardinals, and then to, to make success, it, you know, like that's awesome. At the same time too, like it's, you know, we see these stories where it's like, yeah, like, you know, your brothers come up or friends and like one guy, you know, they both make it in baseball, but you know, maybe they maybe make it to the majors for a cup of coffee. The other is like a star still awesome, still better than everybody else can do. But this both in the all-star game matched up in the home run derby. I don't know that I think they're going to, I think that's going to help feed both of them to to do really well.
2: I, I agree. And it, it's going to be a weird all-star game. We've seen, So many injuries um, from, who, like, the players that were having the best seasons in baseball. Mm -hmm. Like, Otani will not pitch in the All-Star game. Um, McClanahan will not pitch in the All-Star game.
1: Hershaw will not pitch.
2: Yeah, Mike Trout is out. Aaron Judge just got hurt. Corbin Carroll got hurt last night, and it did not look good. Uh, Yeah. The players that were having the best seasons, which, like, before their injuries... McClanahan, Carroll, uh, Trout was like obviously he's still Mike Trout, um, Otani, Judge, like man, this is it, 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 you're gonna have Acuna, you're now gonna have Wander Franco there, um, you have
1: you have Whit Merrifield, <laughs> people will tune in. I I, 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 I do want to talk about that like
2: the, so the Rays had uh, McClanahan was gonna be selected, the pitchers aren't up for fan vote, which I I've never quite I'm not really understood sure that. I
1: understood that yeah I don't, like, I don't get it either.
2: It's always been like the manager's decision, and then there's some fan vote. It's like, well, I want to vote for for pitchers too.
1: Uh, why? Why would there be any difference between, like, what? Why? Yeah. Who, who, like the fans know enough to vote in the position players, but not the pitchers. Yeah, and, and, and the you pitchers always change,
2: anyways. Like it's it's, it's based yeah. on like if you throw on Sunday, you're not throwing in the All Star game. You got to find someone else, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Anyways, so McClanahan gets selected. And surprisingly, I, I thought Randy had a really good chance of being voted as a starter. Yandy Again, Diaz.
1: Start.
2: Yandy Diaz, very much deserving. Um, but you see a lot of times that the uh, Blue Jays players get a huge boost because everybody in Canada, Canada, except for Ashley, is voting for just only Blue Jays players. <laughs>
1: um, we, got, we got our, our yeah. one vote.
2: <laughs> she helped. <laughs> she was the swing vote for Yandy to get in over um, Vlad Jr. Um the surprising snub that was not only not starting, although I think Bo Bichette like also having a very good season, very much deserving of a starting nod, um, but Wander Franco was left off the roster entirely at yeah. first. And the biggest reason for this is is always going to boil down to like they have the rule where every team has to be represented. Yes. Um, and that cuts roster spots away. Like, even if it's like, like I know it's, Oh, there are already two shortstops or this and that. It, it, I I knew he was going to be added at some point, but it is mm-hmm. a big deal when w- one of the players that's having one of the best statistical seasons in the American league is left off the roster. And I was having this, de- not debate, but discussion with some people on Twitter, like all-star selections do matter. One, they matter to the player. Like, it's nice to be recognized for your work. Um, two, they matter in terms of salary arbitration and contract discussions. Third, they matter when you get into Hall of Fame discussions, which I think a guy like Wander Franco is probably gonna, you know have to think about later on if his career continues to go the way it's going. Like these things do matter, even though it is not like it's a first half award, right? You could literally not get another, you know, a hit, in July yeah. or August or September, but on your Baseball Reference, it's gonna have a little AS a little start. A little a little star, little star. Yeah, like it. They do matter. Um, and yeah. so one, like the fan voting, I have issues with that. And then how they, I don't know how they select like what stats they're going off of. Because Wander Franco, um, like the biggest reason his wins above replacement is where it's at. Is he's having a very good season offensively, but the defense is what's kind of propelling him into that. Um. You know, top of the leaderboards like him and Acuna and Otani um, is, is the great defense and the base running. Um, so maybe, you know, he doesn't have above a 300 batting average. He hasn't hit 20 home runs, um, but he's still hitting really well and playing really good defense. Man, like it, it is. It, it sucks to say that he wasn't select. Like he was selected as an alternate like it. I don't know what can be done to fix that other than get rid of rules that you have to have a representative from every team and change the the voting system or the selection system, but he's in and again so he'll have that star no matter what it doesn't there's no asterisk next to it right um he is an all star and anyone else that's added even though if you know if Joe Schmo decides I just don't want to pitch in the all star game and they call Andrew Kittredge at Rainforest Cafe like <laughs>
1: yep yeah <laughs> he's
2: forever a major league all star he's
1: an all star yeah. um
2: but yeah, I mean, and I know early on, I think I think I was talking with Jamal the week we had Jamal on the podcast, and we were throwing out ah, five or six guys, and yeah, it's, it's hard to get five or six guys. I know Atlanta got like eight, but um, I think I'm happy with the four, and I'm I don't feel like anyone was left off that was like more than deserving.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's like you know statistical cases for like a Luke Rayleigh, but like you know at a certain point, it's also a show, so like. Mm-hmm. Luke Rayleigh is more statistically deserving than Julio Rodriguez this year, but, like, I want to see Julio Rodriguez there instead of Luke Rayleigh
2: It is anyway. an all-star like, game. Yeah. It's, again.
1: There, I think personality does... There is, like, a secret sauce in there that I am totally fine with. I am 100% totally fine that it is not a... um uh Like, everybody who performed the best now, like, we just go by F-War and then put those people in there. I, I like that there is a bit of a... You want a star. I
2: Which is that. why I think like I take issue with the fact that it ha- does carry so much weight in the game. Like, right. oh, he was a four-time All-Star. Well, I have seen some guys that have been four or five All-Star teams that have had good careers, but not great careers.
1: Right? Um, no, and- I, I think what what was very fun about the All-Star voting was that Canada dominated the vote so that it was like down to the final vote and they had the runoff votes. But then <laughs> just you just feel like the Star Spangled Banner – Welling up John <laughs> Philip Sousa stars and stripes forever happening. And everyone's like Texas Rangers, Corey Seager played 20 games. You know what? Screw you, Bo Bichette. You're from Canada. You're out. Not even from Canada, but like you play for a Canadian team. We're going the other way. And Corey Seager goes, uh, and Josh, jo- Josh Young goes over Chapman and, uh, what Simeon over, over with Maryville, obviously. Um, like that, Merrifield. That was come. Sorry, does even Toronto like with Merrifield? Like, come so. on, who wants this guy? He had two home runs like the other day. That was like the like. What are we talking? Nobody wants that. Like, I get Vlad Jr. and and Bo. Absolutely is dessert. He should have been the one that started. Actually, yeah, but, I agree. But like, you know, whatever. Uh, but that was the the counter punch where basically nobody from Toronto, even deserving, like, got anywhere close on those runoffs. Was like. Just a very American return. Mm-hmm. We all just banded together to vote for Randy, Yandy, and only, only non-Blue Jays the rest of the <laughs> way. Oh, man. But um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yandi's going to have a very quick thing. His, his wife is scheduled for her C-section birth on yeah. Tuesday morning. Yeah, He will then be there. Then he will hop on a jet, sleep. The most comfortable sleep ever, which is on a plane. Everybody knows that. Everybody gets the best rest, slightly inverted and like with your neck cricked. Land in Seattle, drive to the game, start the all-star game, probably play like an inning or two, then leave, hop on a plane, head back. What a 24-hour period. But it's Yandi's first all-star game. Who knows if there's another one? It does matter to the players, as we can clearly see, and... It's yeah. it's exciting. It's exciting that he'll be able to get there and be there. But uh, but yeah, this is the, you know the Rays have a couple starters in the game. The Rays will have the only their third ever home run derby uh, contestant who will hopefully. Do you think he has a beat. shot to win it? I actually so does he have a shot to win? I don't. I'm not picking him to win it, but I do think he has a shot. Randy feels like the type of guy to take this very seriously. Whereas I feel like a lot of players go in and they go, eh, I'm just going to do some BP and, and whatnot. Uh, I feel like Randy is like actively somebody that seeks out the show. And I, I usually just feel like if it's not Pete Alonzo, I feel like it's a lefty, like just, just the and way things only, work.
2: I think Rutschman will be the only lefty if he's a switch. Header, yeah. I think he'll be hitting, I think. He's
1: Seattle does play well. Seattle does play well. Pull right. Like uh, the left, the um, left field. Uh, wall is not super deep uh it's not high so that is not bad for righties still still better for lefties but not bad for righties yeah
2: um okay well i i do want to finish the show we've gone, i think a little over an hour but we'll raise our voice a little bit we've talked a lot about the first half we've talked a lot talked a lot about the upcoming all-star break um and the festivities we'll have to catch up with you after you've you've seen everything um predictions for the second half and these can be bold predictions these can be standard predictions like however you we're each going to do three um i'll I'll give you the honors to to kind of start us off here
1: okay this is going to be not i guess a bold prediction but it's going to be a lukewarm prediction uh Uh, the rays will have a winning streak over five games in the second half okay It's been a while. They've had one winning streak over five games in the last since May, since the the hot start, uh, since they won every game (laughs) in a row. Uh, And in the last 30 days, they've not had a winning streak more than two. So what they've, what they've, or three, I should say. So they've basically just traded wins, usually about one win, a loss, or two wins, two losses, et cetera. I think at some point now we have this five game losing streak, which hurts a lot more because of the fact that there hasn't been a big winning streak in so long. I think the second half you see the team get settled, get some rest. And at some point they break off six, seven, eight wins in a row. And then all is right in the world. And you just need to do that once to pretty much maybe put away the yeah. division.
2: Um, I, I guess this is a similar one. Um, I think that the Rays will win the division by more than eight games. Um, I think Ooh. that's the long that's the largest margin that they've won the division in franchise history. I want to say in twenty twenty one, there was like a seven or eight game lead over the Yankees. Um, I I think the Orioles are good. I think they are fun to watch. I don't think they're going to hold up the, at the rate that they're playing or that they've played in the first half. You've already got an eight-game lead over Toronto and New York, so you just have to keep the pace there. Um, I don't know who's going to finish second. I, I I would probably pick New York to finish second in the division if I had to right now. I just think if – if like, obviously, Judge is the Get key Judge there. there. Yeah. Um. yeah, I think the Rays will win the division by more than eight games, so I'll throw it back to you.
1: I like that. Right now in the Fangraph's projections, they are projected to win the division by eight games. So I'm going that's, – That's over – Blue Jays, New York, and uh, Baltimore all with that, like, basically 88-87 wins. So, I, I like that. I like that. That's bold. Uh, I will go then to one that kind of similar to that. I think the Rays go wire to wire. Uh, the Rays have never, at this point in this, they have not, at any point in this season, not been in at least a share of first place of the AL East. I do not think they will be in any place besides first or at least a share for first this entire season.
2: I like that one as well. Um, again, I don't know, maybe it'll be close, depending on how this weekend goes. I think and it could out get, of the All Star break. There's a,
1: <laughs> out of the All Star break there is a Baltimore series. So you might get down to like a half a game, but <laughs> but I think they'll they'll pull right back before they hit right into that wall.
2: So we talked about him a little bit earlier um, because I've just been super impressed. And even though there's still a lot of blue circles on his um, uh, his, stat cast data, um, I I think Wander Franco will have the most wins above replacement for the Rays in the second half. I'm not going to make too crazy of a prediction. But I think the second most wins above replacement for the Tampa Bay Rays in the second half will be Isak Paredes, I think. The, the power is just going to continue to flourish. I think he's going to get to 30 home runs um, and still continue to play so- some solid defense at third base. So, Isak Paredes is going to have the second most wins above a replacement. He's currently, for the first half, he's had he's fourth, but only a tenth of a win behind
1: a Reyna and um, Luke Grayley. <laughs> Luke Grayley. Uh, I like that. I like that. Paredes is also a guy that could get, like, the hottest 30 days anybody's ever seen. We saw that last year. We saw that last year, yeah. He's he's a guy that can get locked in and just absolutely rattle off like a dozen home runs in like a month and there's something crazy. Um, My my prediction, probably not bold because this is just every year, I guess, but it is, I think, something that maybe people aren't going to like want, but I think the Rays are going to be very active at the trade deadline, but you're not going to necessarily be like, high-end shopping i think we're going to be splurging at like target type of thing you know not where it's it's not a great value it's not walmart but it's 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 you know getting a lot at at target i think you see the team will add a lot of consolidation pieces the there's a lot of fringe 40 man guys rule five eligible guys make decisions on Bruhan. you make decisions on like jones you have guys that you have to add like blake hunt and and cole wilcox you keep him or you maybe decide to sell him uh like you did uh last year like seth johnson i, I think there's a lot of potential guys that you're having to make decisions on the rays will do a similar trade deadline to last year where they got like was siri and and christian bethencourt and david peralta i think that's what you're going to see i think maybe the biggest move is somebody like Lance Lynn for a fairly modest price, a rental Lance Lynn, who's owed quite a bit. Stu opens up the pocketbook, pays a little bit more Chicago unloads. The salary gets a couple of nice pieces and you have Lance Lynn as a very high upside. Number four starter.
2: I like that. I think that would, uh, I would love that actually. I, um, uh, Follow, quick follow up question um do you see any position players that are on the ro- active roster right now being
1: traded away on the active roster right now yes ryhan's not on the active roster is he no he's not okay no. um i i cuz think... the, the
2: the position players on the roster right now were the were, That's what the opening day roster was. There's no one on the I.L.
1: That's true. That's true. And Brumon is the
2: only one that's come up at any point.
1: Yeah, that is also very weird. I, 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 no, I don't. I think, I think there's a temptation for like a Luke Rayleigh or a Taylor Walls, but I just don't think their value in a trade matches their value as just a bench piece. I think Jonathan Aranda and that type of like, Non, I don't see the Rays trading a top ten prospect for immediate help. Maybe like an eight, nine, ten. So nobody in the top uh, seven, I should, let's just say, uh, in the top prospect list for immediate help. Uh, but I think your Jonathan Aranda types, your guys that maybe, maybe even a, a Slava types, where they're like, yeah, they're there, but maybe not. You can turn that. Major league ready prospect into a major leaguer mm-hmm. with more depth, even as a as a um, rental. So I think I see the Rays doing nothing too crazy. I don't think they go out and make the big trade for a Dylan Cease. I don't think they make that big trade for a huge impact ace. I think they go and try to secure a Jordan Montgomery, a Lance Lynn. Maybe you go if Lucas Giolito's price tag is not too crazy. If it's not like Mead, Manzardo, uh, Mason Montgomery, Junior Camanero, like those, I think guys are just not on the list. And I think you shop with the best you can to just around the fringes. You get potentially a Jordan Luplo type righty Mm -hmm. to. Maybe improve over Harold Ramirez if if you decide to move the other way. You get a back end, three, four, five starter to just give you another arm that maybe starts a playoff game, maybe doesn't, but just eats some innings in the second half, and you maybe add a, a, an interesting, fringy, controllable reliever. But that's, I think, the type of moves. Lots of small moves, maybe even taking consolidation trades for prospects too, and you just do some of that. I think the Rays are going to be their active normal selves, maybe a little bit more so, but it's not going to be that one big splash Nelson Cruz type deal.
2: No, I, I definitely hope. I hope it's nothing like a Nelson Cruz type deal. <laughs> yeah, I think like the three if the, the position players that would be most likely to be moved off of this roster would be like a Ramirez a margot although like with his uh extension it seems like unlikely i think the rays want to keep him at least till this offseason um and then like a brandon Lau. but again i I still like that feels unlikely it doesn't feel right but you never
1: Mm -hmm. know i could see the biggest type of trade how how about this I'll, i'll i'll say something crazy how i think if, you were, if you're were, if you going to have a trade, if so I'm going to do my Brian Windhorse here, <laughs> if you're going to do a really interesting trade, a trade that comes out of nowhere, the type of trade that the Rays are known to do where somebody goes, what? what? I think it's Josh Lowe for Lucas Giolito type of package plus yeah. whatever else is around that.
2: I could see that. Yeah, Josh I'm Lowe,
1: a- Aranda, and then potentially another big a bigger prospect piece, and you get like a Lucas like a maybe like
2: or a Sandy Gaston, and like or... Ronaldo
1: Lopez. Yeah, you get a reliever, you get a starter, and then you trade maybe a few outside of the top six, so like seven, eight, nine, ten to fifteen level prospects. It's, you know, two of those, a couple of guys closer, because the White Sox feel like they are should be competing now, but they can't, so. A Josh Lowe might actually be something useful for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they just signed Andrew Benintendi to their biggest deal of franchise history, but they shouldn't have. So maybe maybe they uh they go with Josh Lowe too. But I don't know. I think I think you could see Josh Lowe being moved for a but a controllable asset back. Right. But right. I, I think that would be the the upper end. I don't see Curtis Meade or Kyle Manzardo being like both of them traded for, you know, Dylan Cease.
2: Well, my final prediction um, is that Jonathan Aranda will not play a game for the Tampa Bay Rays this season. Um, and I think that would probably, like, I don't know, like the guys, I think he's still got an option left after this year. Um, he's going to be 26 next year. Like, I, if he's not up now... When's he going to get called up? I mean, like Brandon Lau got hurt for a month and they didn't call him up. Like, what? when is he going to find himself on this roster? I don't think it's ever going to happen again, which is, I don't know. Like, maybe I, again, we've talked about his defense and I'm, I'm typically like a defense. Like, I, I put more emphasis on that than I think most fans do. But man, I mean, like, what else do we need to see out of the bat and for him to get a shot. So I don't think he will ever play a game for the Rays this season or, or probably any season. I don't know what trade value he has, but maybe that's the guy you move on to get an interesting reliever. I I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen for Jonathan Aranda here.
1: I don't see the Mariners getting involved with that, but like they, have a pretty big hole at second and they don't mm-hmm. want to trade like their best prospects, which I get it. Um They're not trading Brian Wu or Bryce Miller or, you know, Emerson Hancock. I, I get that. But like, I do wonder if there's maybe even like a trade there to potentially have like a fringier guy and give the Mariners some offense, which their offense is desperately in need of. Ronda makes sense there. I don't know. I, I, I do see a Ronda as more of a trade chip, I don't know how much value, though, that all bat, no defense. I don't know what he what he offers. I would love to see him up with the Rays, but he also is a, it is tricky because Harold Ramirez is probably the weakest bat that we have. That's all bat, no glove, mm-hmm. but he's a righty. Yeah. So if Luke Rayleigh would have failed, I feel like that that's Aranda's spot, but first base, DH, uh, but. Luke Rayleigh, just too good. <laughs> well, I,
2: I yeah, I, 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 think it's just a tough situation for for Aranda, and obviously we know the Rays' valued defense as well. So, I just I don't think it's going to work out. But uh, any any final thoughts as we wrap up here our our final episode of the first half, and we'll you know we'll probably do another episode coming out of the All Star break and talk about what we can expect.
1: I, I think the first half. Ending on a whimper, but overall, one of the best first halves in Ray's uh, history. This is a a team that is, I think, in a position where the the, um, expectations now have been raised so high that, you know, these last few weeks hurt more. But overall, nothing has marketably changed for the long-term aspect. This is a team that's going to the postseason. Will they win the division? Will they get a bye? That's for the second half to decide. Mm-hmm. Will they add, will they subtract? What will they do with this team right now? I think overall, you just have a playoff team pretty much locked in unless there was some huge catastrophic injuries. And I think you then have to make the choice of how much, how many chips do you put into the to the pot this year? And how much do you just say, like, we are just building something special. So let's work around the fringes and get healthy. And if we don't, then next year, you haven't changed the outlook for another Potentially dominant year.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. If you like what we're doing, uh, make sure to follow or subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcast to get all new episodes of Raise Your Voice and a new episode of Who's On Worst, which is coming soon. I know it's been delayed, but it is coming soon. As always, make sure to head on over to DRazeBay.com to check out all of the continuous great raise coverage. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk.